Um, good morning, family. I'm going to share um, a word with you, um, <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to try to keep uh, what I've learned about time as well. Not so that last week was a one-off miracle. Um, Chief, please can you come and read scripture for us? But you have to come quickly because we don't have much time. Could you read this, please? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 29, and then Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 12, and then Hebrews chapter 12, verse... So this one, this one, and that one. So the first one? Just this whole, this whole thing, yeah? Oh. Just not this. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. Morning, church. Okay, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge from the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only, there is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back to those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you, were, you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Okay, um, should I still continue, right? Okay, and then, okay, okay, cool. All right, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient, patient endurance 
is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Okay, I'll continue. Okay, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to the public shame. When the ground soaks up, the, fa the falling rain and bears the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer. It, it, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown love to him by caring for one, for other believers. As you still do, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Chief was so tired of reading the word of God that he missed the last one. And so I'll read it. It's short. Uh, he took the heavy burden for me this morning. Thank you, Chief. The last one is Hebrews 12. These are all in the book of Hebrews, verse 16 to 17. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance even though he begged with bitter tears. Um, I would like to um, preach from these scriptures this morning. Um, and I'd like to start off by reading you uh, a piece, a picture from a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. Um, and, and this is a, a story of, of a man called Christian who leaves his city and he heads towards heaven because he hears the news that his city is about to be destroyed. 
And so he does the wise thing. He tries to gather his family and friends. No one wants to listen to him. And so he departs and he begins this pilgrimage from the city of destruction to the celestial city, to heaven. And it's a, an image. It's an allegory. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture story of the Christian life. And you know we've started talking about discipleship and, 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 and walking in that direction. And at a, at a point in the journey, he comes to this person's house, and this person's name is the teacher. And the teacher shows him certain things that are going to help him in his journey. And this here that I'm going to read to you now is one of those pictures that the teacher shows him. And he says... So he took him by the hand again and led him into a very dark room where they sat a man in an iron cage. Now the man, to look on, and, and, and bear in mind, this is old English, okay? So just bear that in mind. And the man to look on seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if it would break his heart. Then said Christian, what does this mean? At which the teacher bid him talk with the man. So Christian said to the man, what are you? The man answered, I am what I once was not. And Christian says to him, well, what were you once? And the man said, I was once a fair and flourishing believer, both in my own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I once was, as I thought, fair and fit for heaven, and then even joy at the thoughts that I could get there were full in my life. So the Christian says, well, what are you now? The man says, I am now a man of despair. I am shut up in it as in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot. So the Christian says, but how did you come to be in this condition? And the man said, I left off to watch and be sober. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts. In other words, I followed after my lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and against the goodness of God. I have grieved the spirit and he's gone. I have been tempted by the devil and he has come to me. I have provoked God to anger and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. Does that remind you of Esau? Then said the Christian to the teacher, but is there no hope for such a man as this? Ask him, said the teacher. Then said Christian, is there no hope but that you must be kept in this iron cage of despair? And the man said, no, none at all. Christian said, why is not Jesus, the son of the blessed, very pitiful? In other words, is Jesus not merciful? Why is there no hope for you? The man said, 
I have crucified him to myself afresh. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have done despite to the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of all the promises, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, faithful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour me as an enemy of God. Christian says to him, why did you bring yourself into this condition? And the man said, for the lusts, pleasures, and profits of this world. In the enjoyment of these, I did then promise myself much delight, but now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. Christian said, but can you not now repent and turn? And the man said, God has denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe. He himself has shut me in this iron cage, nor can all the men in the world let me out. Oh, eternity, eternity, how shall I grapple with the misery that I must meet with in eternity. Then the teacher said to Christian, let this man's misery be remembered by you and be an everlasting caution to you. Um, and that picture is taken from the first verse that we read, Hebrews chapter 10. Um, and so I'm going to preach, and uh, like the writer of Hebrews, I, I'm sure that this doesn't apply to many of us, but just in case. Um, it's possible to fall away from God. If it were not possible, the writer of the Hebrews wouldn't warn us in such stark language of the dangers of falling away from God. It's possible to fall away from God either in an Arminian way, and, and what I mean by that is the Arminians believe that it is possible to believe God, to, to become a Christian, to put your faith in Jesus, to, to, to start the process of being sanctified, and then to become distracted, to, to, to become caught up in sin, to become bound in the things of the world and the flesh, and to fall away, to, to walk off the path, to no longer follow Jesus. So it's possible to fall away from God either in that way or if you are a Calvinist and you don't believe that you can fall away, the Calvinists believe 
that you can be with and amongst the people of God and be influenced by them and come to church and experience the grace of God in its many forms. You can feel the presence of God. You can experience God in worship. You can hear His Word. You can see the power of God moving. You can feel it. You can, you can be amongst the people of the church but never truly be in Christ yourself. And then drift away or turn your back on the church for whatever reason, either taking offense or wanting your own way with regards to marriage and divorce or many other things. And they say you were never really part of Christ and so you've moved away. Whichever line you believe or take, and it doesn't matter. The same is true, you may fall away from God. Does that make sense? And Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read it for us in the ESV from verse 26 to 31. We've read it already in the New Living, but let's read it in the ESV. Bronwyn? has gone she's been raptured okay that's worrying <clears throat> thank you faith Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 26 to 31 it's a small part of the first scripture that chief read to us so well let's read it in the ESV let's see what it says it says for if we go on sinning willfully in other words, if we continue choosing to sin, knowing that we are sinning. After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries of God. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And, and in the world today, we're sitting here in South Africa, in Sunningdale, um, and, and, and we are living our lives, and, 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 and yet we know that in other parts of the world, there is war. In, in the Ukraine, in, in Israel, um, uh, between Hamas and Israel, and, and people are picking sides left, right, and center, and, and I'm not interested in that. But, but there's war going on. People are dying. They, they are being mutilated. They, are, 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 they have no water to drink. They, they have nowhere to go to the toilet. They, they're running for their lives. There's millions of people displaced. But, but we don't like to hear that. We want to rather think of good things and nice things and, you know, close our ears and go to a happy place. And it's the same with the people of God. We want to hear about a God who is loving and kind and gracious and patient and gentle 
and merciful, which He is. But we don't want to hear the equal other side of the truth about God, which is that He is righteous and just, and He is very, very angry with sin. And that His wrath is building up. There is a fire of wrath that He will pour out on His enemies. And the book of Hebrews tells us both sides of that coin. In chapter after chapter of the book of Hebrews, it says, think about this Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest, who is our great shepherd, who is our great Savior and Lord, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the earth. And the book of Hebrews describes him nailed to a cross, his blood shed for us, his blood poured out so that it would be a sacrifice to pay the price for our sins. The book of Hebrews says that God is not interested in the blood of sheep and goats and bulls uh, because that can never cleanse us from our guilty conscience. But God, who is rich in mercy, has slain His own Son as the sacrifice, as the way given that we might be forgiven for our sins and we might have eternal life. The book of Hebrews is clear. What a loving God to give His own Son to pay the price that we would be saved. And yet the book of Hebrews tells us the other side of the coin. It says, for those who reject the gospel, the good news that I've just described, the good news that Jesus died, for those who reject that, there is wrath and judgment coming. And he says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He describes that judgment as worse than death because it lasts forever. Death is a moment. The judgment of God lasts forever. So, the question is, when is God a God of wrath? When? When is he a God of kindness and mercy? And when is he a God of wrath? And the answer is, God is a God of wrath when there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. When the point has been reached, when we have overstepped the line. Because now, as you're hearing my voice, for the vast majority of us, the time is still there when a sacrifice has been paid for your sins. And you can take it, you can grasp it, you can receive the gift from God, you can be saved, and you can come as we do in worship every Sunday and lift your hands and worship and be full of joy because you know your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you've been chosen, you're going to heaven the time is still there, and God is a God of kindness and mercy and grace for us. But there comes a time if we reject the sacrifice that God made. That God is no longer for us a source of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. 
And all that remains, as with that man in the cage, is a terrible expectation of wrath for eternity. And if that is the moment that God becomes that, then for whom is he a God of wrath? And this text from Hebrews 10 answers it in two ways. It describes five things that people have become, and it describes three things of what the people were before they have become these five things. Do you remember Christian asked him, who are you? And he said, I was not what I am now. I've become five things. It's a, that picture is very helpful. And then he says, but who were you? And then he describes the three things that, that he was before he got into the cage. And I want to explain those things for us and then close. The first is what have they become in this state, in the cage, when, when, when the time for sacrifice of sins is past? What are the five things that they have become? The first one is in verse 26. It says, they go on sinning willfully. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts now as we listen to these five things that you would help us to see if we have any of these characteristics, Lord, and that we would repent and turn back to you this morning if we see any sign of these things. Number one, they go on sinning willfully. This is the present continuous tense they go on sinning. They continue sinning willfully. It shows us it's not one particular sin that is the unforgivable sin. You know, people ask, what is the unforgivable sin? You know, as if it's, you know, uh, uh, doing a particular thing and, oh, whoops. No. The, the, the sin that is unforgivable is the extent and willfulness. In other words, that we go on doing it and we know we're doing it. Does that make sense? The unpardonable sin is not a particular kind of sin, but a particular extent and willfulness of sinning against great grace until somebody becomes like Esau and cannot any longer repent. I've met with people who have been caught in sin, and I say, please stop that. Please don't do that. And, and they say, okay, I'll try. And then they get back into it, and they get back into it. And eventually, their hearts become so hard when, when they can be caught in it. And, 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 I say, and you beg them, please, can you see it's sin? And they, and, and they no longer find any room to repent. The second thing is not that they just keep on sinning willfully. It's found in the end of verse 27. 
it says that judgment is coming on the adversaries of God or on the enemies of God. The, the verse says, the fury of God's fire will consume the adversaries. This means we're talking about people who have rejected God and have now become his opponents, his enemies, his adversaries. We're no longer working with God, the Holy Spirit, saying, speak to me, show me, like David. David sinned willfully, didn't he? He knew it was wrong to commit adultery with Bathsheba, but still he called her in. And once he had called her in, he committed adultery, and then he saw her husband, and then he tried to cover it, and he continued sinning, and he sent him to his death in the battle, Uriah. And, 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 and then Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, what have you done? It's you. And he, he, he doesn't oppose God. He says, God, I've sinned against you, God, and, and work in me whatever you need to do. He, opened, he, he didn't fight against God. He wasn't an opponent, an enemy of God. He, he, he humbled his heart. He, he, he repented truly from the heart. And my question, are we opposing God or are we cooperating with God? The third is that they have trampled underfoot the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God, laid down His life so that we could receive His sacrifice. We could receive Him as our substitute. But instead of receiving Jesus into our lives, what, what, what these people do, the people in the cage, is they've gotten some religion, they've come to church, and then they've stepped on him, and they've gotten caught up in other things, and they've left him and drifted away from him. And all of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the kindness of God and the word of God and the people of God have become a distant memory. The fourth they have regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant. Now, unclean is not actually the right word. The, 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 the Greek there, the word means common, ordinary, nothing special, not sacred or precious. So they have heard the good news and they consider it as... Uh, They've heard the truth. They've seen Jesus Christ crucified. They've seen the blood shed. And for them, ah. as if Jesus were not the most precious reality in the universe. And finally, number five, they have insulted the spirit of grace. They've tasted the grace of God in their lives. They've been influenced to some measure. They've been part of us. They've, they've come to church. They, they even began to, to, to follow God, but then they've turned the grace of God into license to sin. And eventually, because of their love for sinning and continued sinning, eventually they threw away the grace of God, and they consider it as unnecessary. 
And for those people who have those five characteristics, or any one of them, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, for them, God is a consuming fire. What were they once before they became that? What were they? Three things. One, they had received a knowledge of the truth. They had heard. The Bible says in verse 26, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. The second, is that they were part of God's people. Verse 30, at the end says, the Lord will judge his people. Now that's difficult for those who are Calvinists because they say, well, these people weren't really part of God's people. But whether they were part or not, they were with, and they heard the truth, and they were part of the church, but now they've turned away, and they no longer are. And third, they were sanctified. That's even more difficult. What does sanctified mean? Let's read verse 29. How much more severe a punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean or common the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? That means that he has been made clean by the blood and then he has moved from that place. I'm going to finish now. What do we do with this? And um, and why am I preaching this? Well, it, the main reason is that we would all be alert, that we would be warned, that we would take heed. Do you know, do you know danger signs on the road? You know, danger, you know, slow down, or danger, do not enter, or danger, explosive, or danger, flammable, or danger. I think today is, is, is one of those warning signs. But it's, it's, it's and, and, and I was speaking with Jean, where's Jean? Kids Church. Okay. I was speaking with him just before the service, and, and he said, are you preaching? I said, I don't know. Uh, you know, Joey's leading, we'll see. And he said, what are you preaching on? And as I started to answer, I saw this picture, and that's what I'm going to share with you now. It's a danger sign about a lake that has been frozen over. You know those lakes? They have them in Canada and other cold places. And sometimes people go ice skating on them and they do all sorts of fun things on, on, on tobogganing and on the lake. But you know if you go walking on a lake that's been frozen over but it's starting to thaw, it's starting to melt, there's a danger 
that you walk on a bit, and, and part of it might carry your weight, especially people heavy like me. But part of it may not carry your weight, and you can fall through. This is a picture of what is being described here. There is a part of your life that you can, that you can be sinning, that there's sin, and, and it will carry the weight. The mercy is still there. The grace is still there. Do you remember, um, who was this? Samson. And he fell in love with Delilah, the, the, the Philistine woman. I think it was Philistine. And, 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 and she wanted to know, what's the secret of your strength, Samson? And, you know, he, was, he kept on telling her nonsense lies about if you, you know, bath me in goat's milk or if you, you know, I don't know what, I can't remember what they were. You know, if I eat this particular thing, you know, so she made it, you know, and then she would wake up saying, the Philistines are on you. And he would wake up and he would break these bonds because he was still on firm ice. There was still grace. But then eventually he told her, oh, no, it's this long hair that I have. That's the key to it. If there, someone cuts my hair, you know, and he thought as before, he would just wake up and break the bonds and it would be fine. And so he went to sleep and she cut his hair and they bound him and he woke up and the Bible says, as before he went, but the Spirit of God had left him and his strength had left him and he went to break the bonds of the sin, but the sin held him. And the ice had broken. And they put out his eyes and they put him to work. And he was captured. And there was no way back. Why is that story in the Bible? That's the purpose of my preaching this. Is to know that there's a time that we can continue sinning. And there will be no way back. There will be no more room for repentance. We will become like the man in the cage who cannot repent any longer. And so we need to respond. We need to respond to that. And I'm going to ask us to just close our eyes and think, Lord, is there any area in my life where I am still sinning knowing that I am? Lord, is there any area of my life where I'm opposing you? Lord, is there any area where I am, instead of receiving you, that I'm stepping on you, Lord? Lord, is there any area in my life where I'm regarding your blood and what you did for me as common or not special? Is there any area, Lord, where I'm insulting the Spirit of grace who's calling me? Lord, I pray that you would help us to come to repentance, Lord. That you would help us to turn away and turn back to you, God.
I'd first like to ask if there's anybody who is here and you have never received Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you before. If you're here and you're hearing the good God, the beautiful, kind God, um, and, 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 and you say, today I need to say sorry to him for my sins. Today I need to give him my life. Today I want to be his. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Please forgive me for my sins. Please wash me completely clean by your blood. I want to give my life to you today, Lord. I want to follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep our eyes closed. And If there's anyone who prayed that prayer for the first time today, just do me a favor and wave at me, please. Well done. Well done. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'd like to just chat with you afterwards. Anyone else prayed that prayer for the first time today? Okay, great. Please just come chat with me afterwards, okay? Awesome. Well done. And now for, for all of us here, let's keep our eyes closed. Just between you and God. Would you say sorry? Would you say, God, I'm sorry for any area, Lord, that you've highlighted today? Would you say sorry, Lord? Would you, would you bring me back to you? Lord Jesus, would you be my treasure again? over to Joey now um, but maybe we can just have a time of responding to what the Lord has said to us today Amen